Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Today we are concluding our series in the book of Ephesians. We've been studying through this book for several weeks, actually several months. Uh, We've been looking at little parts and pieces of it, and today we're concluding. The series was titled, In Him. In each of the messages in this series, we've been focusing on drawing closer to Jesus Christ, our Lord. In chapter 1, we saw how important it is to be connected with Him. Uh, There's a bunch of verses in chapter 1. In Christ, in Christ Jesus, in Him, in Himself, in whom... Repeated over and over in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. In all of these verses, it talks about it over and over. Then, just a few weeks ago, we were challenged from the beginning of chapter 6. And again, to focus on Christ. Verse 1, in the Lord. Verse 4, of the Lord. Verse 5, as to Christ. Verse 6, as bondservants of Christ and doing the will of God. Verse 7, as to the Lord. Verse 8, from the Lord. Verse 9, reminded of us of, us, of our master in heaven. So the beginning of the book starts out focusing on our need to be connected with Jesus. The end of the book and everywhere in between focuses on our need to connect with Jesus Christ. We've seen a strong emphasis in this book about moving forward making spiritual direction. And so we looked at walking in unity, at walking in love, walking in the light, walking in wisdom, walking in the spirit, walking in victory. Today, we're gonna look at walking together, walking together, because we're not supposed to be on this journey alone. Now, you may live alone. Some of you live alone by choice. Some of you live alone not by choice. Uh, and the one you wanted to stay with till you went to heaven, you never got that opportunity because the Lord took them sooner. Uh, but, but whether you live alone or whether you live with other people, we're supposed to be walking with other people. We're supposed to be moving in the Lord mm-hmm. together. In fact, even if you live with a whole household of people, our older son, there's 10 people who live in that house. He and his wife and their eight kids. And, and uh, when, when they are in their house, they still have the same responsibility that a single person does to be connected with other people outside your household. So today we're focusing on peace, love, and community. Now, those of you who lived through the 60s, doesn't this sound like a promo for one of the communes they had back then? Peace, love, and community, man. That, that's kind of what it sounds like, and yet that's exactly what the scriptures teach that we're supposed to be doing. Now, in the communes, they rejected accountability to others, and they pursued self-indulgence and sinful cohabitation, and, and, but Paul is encouraging us, believers, followers of Christ, to pursue righteous behavior together, to share responsibilities, to share concerns, to share the peace, love, and community 
of Christ. Heavenly Father, as we read your word today, I pray that you would truly speak into our hearts. Help us be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's saying on the inside of us, as well as to the words spoken that we hear through our ears. Thank you that you revealed yourself in your word, you revealed your way, that we can follow you. And thank you that you love us, that you care for us, and that you provide for us. So we ask this day that you would be honored and glorified by the way that we pay attention to your message, listen to your spirit, and then follow through and live up to it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we're going to be at the very end of the book of Ephesians. It's taken us a little while. We had a departure for a couple of Sundays when Kathy and I were away, and we had uh, uh, one other special Sunday, we did something else, but we started the end of June and now we're finishing early in November. And uh, we've taken several months to look at different truths that God had for us in this book. And we're down to the very last few verses. Now, if you, some Bibles would say then, this is just the benediction or mine says a gracious greeting. Uh, a lot of people just, this is the closing remark. Uh, sometimes the way people pray, because we're supposed to pray in Jesus' name, they'll say their prayer and they get to the end and then in Jesus' name, amen. Like, oh yeah, I gotta tack this on at the end. No, we're praying in Jesus' name. We're not just tacking it on to the end of our prayer. And so this, these verses are here for a reason, for a purpose to connect us to God and his purposes in our lives. So, beginning in verse number 21, he says, but that you may, I'm sorry, but that you also may know my affairs, pause right here for a moment. When he uses the affairs, he's talking about the incidents and events in his life. Never in the Bible does it use the word affair for sexual impropriety. That's a word that mankind came up so it doesn't sound as bad as adultery or infidelity or, or sinful behavior. Uh, it sounds less bad if you just call it an affair. Uh, but the truth is, Paul saying, I want you to know all about what's going on in my life. I want you to understand. He understood the need to connect with others. In fact, Paul uh, writes in the scripture about more than 100 different people by name that he cites and connects with. He writes about more than two dozen churches that he mentions and connects with, or rather the New Testament mentions more than two dozen churches. And Paul wrote to a lot of them and talked about a bunch of them. And uh, the whole last chapter of the book of Romans is Paul connecting with people letting the people in Rome know what's going on in other parts of Christianity and connecting with people because that's important. So when Paul said, I want you to know our affairs, he wants them to know what's going on in his life so they can pray, so they can connect. Uh, one of the blessings of technology that we have today is, is we can interact with people. This morning, I texted my sister in Nepal, she's on a short-term mission trip there, and I sent her a text, and she, she sent pictures, and she sent text, and, and she sent, um, they, can, can you grab that back door, Dawson? I'm blinded a little bit. So, um, 
he sent, she sent pictures that I could see of what's going on there and, and she sent text and then I texted her and then she texted back and then I texted her again. And uh, she's in a totally different part of the world. I've never been there, anticipate never going there unless during the millennial reign of Christ when I'm back here on the earth and he sends me there. I don't know, but, but I love the technology that allows us to connect with people. But there's also a downside to that technology. On Facebook or whatever it's called now, Mecca, or, uh, on Instagram and on, on all, the, there's people who they, they like fake their life to make themselves look good. Or they have a thousand followers, a, a thousand friends on their Facebook page, but they don't have anybody they could call in a time of trouble. Let me tell you, a real friend is one you can call on when you desperately need a friend. In the middle of the night, they should, you need to be able to call on them. That's a friend. So, um, Paul, there, there's the positive side of our technology and the negative side of our technology. And Paul was addressing the positive side here. Let's connect with people. So use the technology that we have available to connect with people and don't use it as a cover up for being personal and being vulnerable. Allow yourself to be personal, to be vulnerable. Allow yourself uh, that opportunity because other people need it, okay? They need to know what's going on in your life. Do some people overdo it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, you know, uh, there, there are people that, my dad used to joke in his church and, uh, when he was still living and down in Tucson and he, he said there was a lady in his church, you never asked her how she's doing. You just tell her, you're looking great today. Because if you ask her how she's doing, you're gonna get a 20 minute lecture of all the little ins and outs and, uh, and you know, we need to share, but we need to share responsibly, okay? Don't overshare, but find people you can connect with. We'll look at that a little bit more in a bit. So Paul wants them to know what's going on, in part so they can pray and in part so they can be encouraged. And, and then he says, and how I am doing. So Tychicus, a beloved brother, Tychicus shows up several times in scripture. He always shows up as somebody's doing something for God, helping churches and helping Paul. He's a minister, he serves, he's carrying this letter. They didn't have post office and special delivery. They'd hand it to somebody and he would carry it and that's how it was done. So Tychicus was the mail carrier and he's described here as a beloved brother and a faithful minister in the Lord who will make all things known to you. Then he says, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose. Paul chose him to be the one to go to Ephesus to reveal this message. And then he says, I have sent for this very purpose that you may know our affairs and that you may comfort, that he, the Lord, may comfort your hearts and he, Tychicus, may comfort your hearts when he's there. Then in verse 23, peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. 
See, there's a fake kind of love. There's a kind of love that says, I love Jesus, and, uh, and then I choose sinful lifestyle. I love Jesus, but I don't show God's grace to other people. There's a fake kind of love. Uh, in the same way that you and I have known people who stood up in front of a church and, and held hands with somebody and said, I do, and, and they supposedly meant it at the time, but then they didn't really mean it all that much because they didn't stay faithful. There are people who treat God that way. I love the Lord. Jesus said, if you love me, what are you supposed to do? If you love me, keep my commandments. Let's try that one more time, okay? If you love me, keep my commandments. That's what we're supposed to do. So, uh, so love in sincerity. Genuinely love him and love other people. So uh, first thing I want you to think about today is that we need to share our lives with other believers. We need to share our lives with other believers. Paul said that you may know how we're doing. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I don't love people. I mean, you can say that, but it's not true. Because if you love Jesus, and you genuinely love him and pursue him, then his love for other people will grow in your heart and life. I, I, when I first became a Christian, I remember saying, Man, if, when I get to heaven, I want to sit way off in the corner and let everybody just leave me alone. <laughs> I, I wasn't interested in interacting with other people. And I told my dad once when I first felt called into ministry that, that I would love being in ministry if it weren't for the people. <laughs> Come to think of it. No, no. Um, but my dad said, you dummy, ministry is people. And, and we need to share our lives with other people. If you are, I would say, <laughs> I started to say, how many of you are an introvert? Please stand up. But then the introverts would be like, ah! <laughs> I would so stress you out. Okay, we won't do that. But, but see, even if you're an introvert, a diehard introvert, you love being alone. You have a responsibility to get outside yourself to step outside your comfort zone and interact with other people. You know, it was really fun when Megan moved to North Carolina many years ago. Megan's not a hugger. She doesn't hug many people. And there are some people in the church, they want to hug, they love hugs. They, and other people just don't like it that much. If you're a hugger, ask somebody before you hug them. Don't just give them a hug and have them go, Okay, we, no, we don't want to stress people like that. But Megan went to a church in North Carolina and the entire church was filled with huggers. I remember visiting her there and like 40 people hugged me. They didn't even know me, but they hugged me because I'm her dad. And, and it, it was a stress for Megan. But we need to step outside of ourselves and connect with other people. Whether you're a hugger or not doesn't really matter. It, Kathy and I laugh because Kathy's not much of a hugger either. She hugs a few people, but not much. And we go to see her sister, and I walk in and I hug her sister, and I hug uh, my niece, and then uh, Kathy says hi, and her sister <laughs> says hi, and then before we leave, I hug him, and Kathy says bye, and her sister says bye. You know, 
And that works for them. But you know what? She does a better job connecting with her sister than I do with mine. Even though I hug mine, and she doesn't very often hug hers. It's not how you connect. You do that in a way that works for you. It's that you connect. Step outside yourself, connect with other people. We have a responsibility to share our lives with others and to love them with open hearts. So you could go to our church website and you could bring up the church directory and you could pray through the directory and you start with the Altamiranos because uh, that's where the A's start if you're alphabetical. That's, that's what it is in the direct. So start praying for the Altamiranos. I mean, I could think of several things to pray for them right here. Let's do that. <laughs> okay. But you could even call them on the phone and say, hey, I'm praying for you. There's four adult Altamiranos. They all four have cell phones. You could text them separately. And how can I pray for you? You could, uh, and then you finish with the Altamiranos. Maybe that's enough for that day. And the next day you go to the Brady's and you text the Brady's and say, how can I pray for your family and what's going on there? And, and you know, work your way through the church directory. Do that with the missionaries on, that we support. Uh, talk to them or pray for them individually. Pray for what's going on in their lives. I have spent way more time praying for the people in Nepal in this month than I ever have in all my entire life. I've never prayed for believers and, and people who need Christ in Nepal. I, I do have at the end of my prayer list, I have a WWWL. And that's to remind me to pray for the worldwide work of the Lord. And so I have that at the end of my prayer list. And, and I remember that. But I don't specifically pray for them. But we can specifically pray for our missionaries. Those of you who were specifically praying for Pete and Taru when they went on this mission trip. My brain's spacing. Where'd they go? Cambodia. They had a special speaking time. They went to Cambodia. Hundreds came to Christ. If you were praying for them, then God has answered those prayers. We rejoice in that. And uh, so pray for people and pray for missionaries and share your life with other believers. This is not to exclude non-believers. We need to be trying to reach them for Christ. But this means we have a special connection with believers. A, a more significant responsibility to connect with them. Secondly, we need to share our hearts with those who are trustworthy. People have at different times shared a very close and very personal concern with somebody and then had that person share it with somebody and then that person shared it with somebody and pretty soon everybody knows all about it. So you have to be a little careful. Paul didn't just randomly pick out Tychicus and say, oh, I need somebody random, random, boop, boop, we'll take Tychicus. Uh, you know, he didn't uh, just put all the names in a barrel and pull one out. Now, Tychicus earned that opportunity. So he was called a beloved brother. That means they, they served the Lord and shared their lives together. There was a connectivity there. They had service time together. And then he was a faithful minister. He didn't quit. 
How many of you think of the name of one follower of Christ who served with Paul who did quit? What was his name? Demas. Demas. John Mark did walk away, but John Mark came back and ended up being a faithful faithful servant with Paul. But there's no record in Scripture that Demas came back. We'd love to think that he did, and I think we'll see him in heaven if he genuinely trusted Christ, even if he didn't stay faithful to Christ. We'll see him in heaven. But Tychicus stayed on track, and he served for years. He was faithful for years. And then he was a trusted communicator. Paul knew if I share this with Tychicus, he's going to share it with the people, and he's not going to exaggerate, and he's not going to minimize, and he's not going to dramatize. He's going to share it with them in a way that can encourage them. He will make all things known to you. He, he was a trusted communicator. Now, one of the ways we get to that level is we trust people a little bit. A little bit. We give them a little job. We trust them with a little secret. And then if nobody else hears about it, knows about it, whatever, then we might share with them with a, a medium secret. And then eventually you get to the big one, and then eventually you get where you can share your heart with people. But you know, one of the problems with Christians, they're humans. And people make mistakes. And people get off track sometimes. And so sometimes you can share something with somebody and, and it ends up getting out and becoming public. I remember sharing something with somebody and it wasn't it wasn't embarrassing. It was just a, a theological thing that I was working through that I hadn't resolved yet. And I shared it with this friend and this friend shared it with somebody else who shared it with some, and then pretty all these guys were acting like I was a heretic because I wasn't towing the exact line that they were following. Well, it was a theological thing. And as it turned out, by the time I finished working through that, I ended up agreeing with them. I was thinking wrongly and I corrected it, but it shouldn't have been public knowledge. And so be careful who you share it with, make sure they're trustworthy, but allow yourself the risk of exposing your heart because you need it and other people need to hear it. We need to be sharing with other people so uh, John 15, 15, Jesus said to his disciples, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you my friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So if you're hiding something from some people, like there's times when parents hide things from their kids, not because they want to be sneaky, but because that's what's appropriate. There's, there's levels of maturity that kids have to reach before you can share certain things with those kids. Um, sometimes people hide things from other people just because it's very personal and they want very few people to know about it, and that's okay. I, I, I never ask somebody, or I try never to, I found myself doing it once last year, but I try to never ask somebody what their surgery was for. 
because that's a very personal thing. And I remember asking a young guy, when I was a young guy, we were both in our 20s and his wife was having surgery, and I said, I'm sorry, what's it for? And he said, I'm not sure she'd want me to share that with you. Like, dude, I just learned a big lesson. So I don't ask people what your surgery's for. I've had people ask me, oh, what's your surgery for? I had one person even badger me. Well, I'm not gonna spread it around, you can tell me. I said, yes, I can tell you, but I'm not gonna, so let it drop. And so it's okay to have secrets of some sort, okay? But if you have a lot of secrets from other people, if you're living an, a, a double life and you're hiding from people, then that's the wrong thing. See, if you've gotta hide from other people, you have a problem with sin that you need to deal with. So instead of just hiding, we share it first with those who are very trustworthy, but we open ourselves up and we share. Now sometimes we make mistakes, right? Because we're human. So we admit that. Some of us guys, we joke because we've done really dumb things. We say, hi, I'm a guy. I do stupid things, right? <laughs> and, and you know, it, it really fits. It really works. And, uh, that just happens sometimes. But uh, make it a point to let other people know what's going on. Paul said, I want to make sure you know. He included it in what's called the scriptures, the Bible, the Holy Word of God. It was included by the Holy Spirit in the scripture because it's important for us to learn from it and to follow it. Okay? So we need to share our hearts with other people and we need to choose to share the most with those who are the most trustworthy. And we need to encourage other people. See, one of the things was, well, how does Paul describe it here? Look in your Bible and tell me, how does he describe what he wants Tychicus to do? He, he uses two ways he describes it. That you may know our hearts, Right? He wants them to understand that. What's the second part? Yeah. Comfort or encourage your hearts. So two things. He wants them to know and he wants them to be encouraged. You need to encourage other people. One of the ways we do that is getting involved in their lives and that. We, if you have not yet signed up for the harvest dinner we're having next Sunday afternoon, um, then uh, please sign up today. We'd love to have you here. You can celebrate with friends or make new friends at that. Uh, you can encourage the people at the table with you. We'll have tables set up all in here. And you can be a blessing and you can be blessed and we can praise the Lord together. So sign up for that. And one of your responsibilities, one of your <coughs> responsibilities is to be a blessing to other people to find a way to bless and enrich their lives. So I gave cards out to several people asking them to briefly share how someone in this church has been a blessing or has encouraged them, okay? So uh, those people that I gave the card to, when I say your name, I want you to stand up and just say it really loudly. So 
Uh, we're not going to run around with a microphone. We want everybody to be able to hear you, and we want these mics to be able to pick it up. So say it loudly, okay? We'll start with Kathy Burke. Uh, I have a job where I work with people from uh, a lot of different cultures and backgrounds and different places in the world. And sometimes I go through some really hard times. And at one time I was going through a two-year period that was really difficult and had a hard time handling it. And Pastor put me in touch with a lady that shared verses with me, prayed with me, and would constantly ask me, how are you doing? How are you um, handling this? Can I help you with it? And it was very encouraging. Praise the Lord. Dr. Ed Kelly. Uh, well, first of all, there are so many people in this church who are so loving and, and uh, show the spirit of Christ. So it's, it's very hard, but... But God's placed on my heart this morning, uh, Kathy Bird. And uh, I, I remember when uh, we first came to your church, and uh, she would come up, and we all heard her signature line. Kathy, and I'm ornery. Yes, good ornery. And so I just so appreciate her and how. Uh, she does show a genuine interest, asking questions, and then also sharing a very good knowledge of the Bible. So okay. I just appreciate that. That's great. Thanks. I asked Sue Elmuth to be one. Well, during this last year, I went through the illness and death of my husband, and immediately I called Pastor Perry, and he was really a blessing to me and helped me through sickness and the death during that time. But immediately after that, Susha came into my life and said, which she had already been a dear friend, but she flew to Texas and drove me home. And then as soon as I got home, Patty Ledbetter came in to my home and she was there to love and to hug and help me through. And since the time of Larry's memorial, the Lord has brought Kay into my life, and she is a blessing. So they're all around me. Amen. Thank you, sir. Tim Martinez. Any encouragement to me, uh, even though I'm with us anymore, but a Cecil friend. Yeah. He had physical restrictions, but they didn't stop. He was always helping people serving the Lord, and he was always positive, all the time. And that was always encouraging. Amen. Yeah, those of you who didn't get the opportunity to know Cecil, you missed a blessing. He was a dear friend. Kathy used to tell me when I was feeling discouraged or something, go out to lunch with Cecil. He always makes you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alice Brunette. Dear Lord, I started coming here in April of 1994. And there were several people that just made us feel so welcome. And one couple was Jim and Jerry Reeves. And we became friends with them over the years. And uh, Jerry said goodbye to Jim a few months before I said goodbye to Gary. And she's been a, a very much encouragement and a very dear friend to me. And I have another. The whole Martinez family has been a, just a real blessing to me. They've helped me so much because there are a lot of things 
I just can't do anymore, and they, they do it for me, and it's been a wonderful lesson. And I know they're going to pray the Lord, and I just, just thank them for that. Amen. Great. All right, I have one more. Dawson. There's Dawson. There's Dawson. On the back row, dude. There's two people in this church that really encouraged me. I recently went to San Diego with both of them. Uh, Mr. Fletcher, who's always here, I'm just going to talk to. And Mr. Ralston Mama, who's always there. And always asking how I'm doing. And really encouraging me both in my faith and just about life. Okay. See, we could take the time. Well, we couldn't because I'd get hungry. But we, <laughs> otherwise, we could take the time for everybody to share how somebody else has been a blessing in their life. And, uh, you know, last year when I had a lot of health restrictions and I was sidelined for a while, the deacons and their wives and Megan, they just stepped up and served in so many ways and it was such a blessing. In fact, when the Kellys first visited our church, I wasn't even here. I was home recuperating. And, and uh, they, they came and, and they stayed and, and they've been a blessing to our church. And I love, if you don't come to the Bible class hour, then you miss out seeing something special. Just before the Bible class starts at 9.30, there's people who walk around and they interact and they talk. And some of them are 60 years age difference and they have conversations and they connect and it's a real blessing. And that's one of the things we do at the harvest dinner. So I encourage you to be part of that. Make encouraging other people part of your spiritual DNA. Uh, develop it, be a help. We need to encourage other people, and you can be an encourager. You don't have to just stand around and wait for somebody to help you. You can step up and help them. Okay, we also need to be people who bring peace, love, and grace into all of our interactions. The first, when I wrote my notes the first time in this place, I had in all of our relationships, but the truth is, it's not just in our relationships, because, I mean, I have relationship with a lot of different people as pastor of this church. I have a relationship with everybody who's a member of this church, and, and my family, and my neighborhood, and, but, but there's a lot of people I don't have a relationship with. I go into Ace Hardware, and I buy something, or I go to Home Depot, and I buy something, and I interact with the person there, but I don't have a relationship. The only relationship we have is I want their stuff and they want my money. And so that's not really a foundation for a relationship. But in our interactions with other people, they need to see Christ in you, as the young ladies got up here and sang. They need to see him living out in your life. So we need to bring peace, love, and grace into our interactions with other people. In the Sermon on the Mount, the section that's called the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We'll be called God's kids if we try and be peacemakers. Now, peacemakers don't stir up trouble. Peacemakers don't hold grudges or spread gossip. Uh, peacemakers uh, try and calm situations. And, and so picture it this way. The space around you should be a little bit calmer, a little bit more peaceful, because you're there. 
And so as you move, that space around you moves. Imagine it almost like a spiritual force field that's moving around with you and your presence of peace should go with you. You can make a difference in other people's lives by the calmness that you have because you're trusting the Lord. You're a a calming influence even in the most difficult of circumstances. And uh, Paul's closing comments in his second letter to the believers in Thessalonica, he said, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. See, we need to be people who bring God's peace and love and grace into all of our interactions. And then he says, love with faith. Uh, Through faith, we trust God without reservation. He's absolutely, completely trustworthy. And through faith, we can love people without reservation. Because we trust God enough that we can risk our heart to show love to other people. Because we're vertically connected with him, we can horizontally reach out to other people and bring peace and love. We show God's love to the people he puts in our path. We hold nothing back. And then grace. Uh, Too often Christians have a reputation for being judgmental, harsh, critical, you know how Christians got those reservations, that uh, reputation? By being judgmental and harsh and critical. <laughs> and, and so what happens is, I, I remember working on the job. I was trying to be a witness when I was a business manager. I was an outspoken witness for Christ. The owner of our company was Jewish, but I was trying to influence everybody in the company I could to follow Jesus. And, Several of them got saved. Some got saved many years later and then contacted me to thank me for uh, in, witnessing to them and influencing them. But, uh, but, you know, there were some Christians who were just harsh. Like so the non-Christians would smoke. Now, there is a value to tobacco. Like if you get a, a wasp sting or something to put wet tobacco on that, it helps pull the toxins out. But when you're smoking it into your body, there's really no benefit to your body for smoke. So it's harmful to the body. The, the labels on the side of cigarettes and cigar boxes say that. It's harmful, it can cause cancer. And so there's no real benefit to it. It, it bothers me if people smoke in my area because I'm asthmatic. So. I'm, sometimes I'm out for my walk and there's somebody over there smoking and I have to go around this way to get away from the fumes. But um, anyway, it's, it's not your job to be the tobacco police. <laughs> it's not your job to be the spiritual cops for Christ. It's your job to show his love. So look in the scriptures and see how Jesus handled people who were struggling with sin. In, in your Bible, there's a story of a woman caught in adultery. And Jesus said, I'm not gonna condemn you, but stop it, go and sin no more. He didn't lambast her and attack her and throw stones at her. And yet some Christians attack other people 
when that's not what Jesus did. Now, our ministry is his ministry. Victory Baptist Church is, by definition in the scripture, a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be doing his work. So we're not attacking other people. I, I know Christians, they get so mad and angry and scream and holler and yell at other people because politically they don't line up. Should everybody agree on everything? You know, I know people who like to eat foods that I don't like at all, like Brussels sprouts. <laughs> oh, why would people eat those nasty smelling things? <laughs> and, and even worse, some people like okra. You knew that was coming, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? It's okay. God will forgive them. I don't need to hold it against them. And, and Kathy, I, I used to pop habanero peppers. My esophagus can't handle that anymore. I got, got to eat um, medium salsa, which is pretty mild. But uh, I, I used to love hot, hot, couldn't get it hot enough, you know. That's how I liked it, and, and she didn't like it. And she didn't even like it secondhand, like kissing me after I ate it, you know. But, but listen, it's okay for us to disagree about all kinds of stuff. But it's not okay for us to attack people for any reason because they disagree with us about anything. Mm -hmm. That's not our job. Our job is to show his love and then share his truth when we have the opportunity. But even when we share his truth, we're speaking the truth, how? In love. In love. love. So we're not attacking. We're not cops for Christ. We're spiritual ambassadors to represent Jesus in this foreign culture that doesn't quite understand him, but they're supposed to find him by talking with us and connecting with us. So all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single person. We desperately needed God's grace for salvation and we desperately need his grace for life. Now listen carefully, okay? Really focus on this. The only way people around you will be able to comprehend the love and grace of Jesus Christ is if you show them his love and his grace. That's the only way they'll see it. Because in our culture, if you're not 100% on my side, you're my enemy and I'm gonna attack you. That's what's going on in our culture and that's not the way Christians are supposed to live. We're supposed to live by connecting people to God's love and grace, bringing them into his family. And we can do that as we work together for him, the only way they'll comprehend his grace, most people think God, most unsafe people, think God is a bully who's mad at people who disagree with him and he's committed his life to torture them forever. 
because they've heard a, heard a little bit of scripture and they've watched a few Christians behave. And so that's what they think of our loving, gracious God who gave his own son for us so that we could be saved. We need to show them the truth by living it out. We need to be people sharing our lives and our hearts, encouraging others and bringing God's peace and love and grace into each of our interactions with other people because God loves them dearly. So we should have peace and love and community, even if it makes us sound a little bit like a hippie's flower child of the 60s. We need to do what God called us to do. We need to model what Jesus himself modeled. And we need to carry on that. I hope you can look back through this series in Ephesians and find ways in which the hand of God was working on you, in you, through you, with you, and for you. Because you live in him. That's how we live. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and grace. We thank you that even when we were unlovable, you loved us. Even when we were undeserving, you paid the penalty for our sins. Even when we're still undeserving, when we call upon you and we confess our sins, you will be faithful and just and forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you for your love and grace and we pray that we would be a people of love and grace, that we would show your, your love and share your truth as we love and serve our Lord Jesus Christ together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.